the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed in the program are not necessarily those of this radio station or its sponsors and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. You should always consult the appropriate advisor before making any financial decision. All rights reserved. Now, AM 1220 KNEW presents... New Focus on Wealth with Certified Financial Planner, Chad Burton, drawing from his 20-year background in finance and investing to help you make sense of your money matters. New Focus on Wealth. Get a new focus on personal finance, wealth management, Wall Street, and the economy. Now your host for New Focus on Wealth, Chad Burton. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. If you have a money question for the show, I'd love to hear from you. Just shoot me an email, chad at chadburton.com. Taxes, insurance, retirement planning, estate planning. It's all fair game. Sorry for the lack of uh, radio slash podcast last week. Got real busy with um, uh, client tax issues. So some of the busiest time of year for CFP, certified financial planners, is near the end of the year, right around the holidays when people are trying to get year-end items done for tax planning. And then, of course, when they're preparing returns. We get pretty involved. And in fact, at our company, EP Wealth, not only we do financial planning, money management, we also do tax returns as well. So busy, busy time of year. I want to go over a couple of things that I noticed this year on tax returns and, and how it's going to affect people going forward. First of all, capital gain distributions were the highest that I've seen since 1999 when Rob Black and I started doing radio together uh, about a year prior to that. What does that mean? What does that mean? Well, when you have capital gains distributions in a retirement account, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. But if you have a taxable account, that's an account that you open up in your name. So it's not an IRA. It's not a Roth. It's not a 401k. It's an account that you open in your name. You open it joint with your spouse or in your living trust. And you open that account at, like, let's say, a, a Vanguard Mutual Fund or T. Euro Price or an account at Schwab, Fidelity, TD Ameritrade, whatever. And you buy mutual funds or ETFs, exchange-traded funds. What can happen inside those funds throughout the year is inside those funds and ETFs, it's a basket of stocks, right? You put your money, you buy an ETF, you buy a mutual fund. And the manager puts that money to work in different stocks. And sometimes inside that, especially with mutual funds, it's not as bad with ETFs. They're much more tax efficient. But with mutual funds, if you buy in today and they've owned a stock for several years and you buy in today and they decide in a month or two to sell that stock, even though you just bought today and that stock could be down since when you went into that fund, they can distribute a capital gains distribution. And what happens is you see the day they distribute it, and it's usually in, in mid to late no, December, your share price drops, the dividend distribution of capital gains comes into the account and buys more shares. And so you have the same amount of money. 
it just creates a taxable event on your 1099 that you get from your brokerage firm. The other way to look at it is kind of like phantom income. It's like I'm paying taxes on these gains, but I didn't even take any money out of my account. And that's one of the reasons why it's very important to do tax efficient investing Mm -hmm. where in your brokerage accounts that are in your name, they're not in a retirement account, typically want to buy large cap ETFs, large cap stocks, tax-free bonds and things like that. But sometimes you still have to, to get your asset allocation right. You still have to buy small cap funds and other things in a taxable account to make sure you own the proper asset classes because boy, did they become attractive. If you heard me on radio of, in uh, March and April of 2020 when the market just tanked for a short period of time, a lot of the funds that we purchased small cap wise in that time frame, well, by the end of 2021, a lot of those stocks had run you know, doubled in value. And so inside those funds, managers decided to trim. They decided to sell some of those stocks that had done super well inside the fund. So even though people didn't take the money out, creates a capital gain event. And so this was the highest that I'd seen, the biggest capital gains distributions that I, I'd noticed since 1999. And so a lot of people, when they got to their tax person and they got that 1099 because all those distributions happened in December, it was, it was a surprise to them. Um, now, if they were doing proper planning with a good certified financial planner that was watching the portfolio, they got a notice that says, hey, this is, this is going to be a tax issue that's coming up. Um, this is what these funds just paid out. So get ready and make sure you have enough cash to pay the taxes. Now, like I said, mutual funds, typically this is where that happens. ETFs, the way that ETFs, exchange-traded funds, it's still a basket of stocks, but the way that they're designed and created, um, they're more tax efficient. You don't have as many problems typically with ETFs, exchange traded funds versus mutual funds. For example, you can buy the Vanguard 500, uh, Vanguard 500 Index Admiral Fund, symbol VFIAX. Um, that's a mutual fund, or you can buy VOO. That's the ETF version of it. Now, typically, you're going to get more tax efficiency out of the ETF. It's the same investment, really. But I even saw certain uh, ETFs like VIGI, which is Vanguard's International Dividend Achiever ETF. It invests in companies overseas that have a history of raising their dividends. And that had a pretty high capital gains distribution last year as well. So it can happen in ETFs as well. So what I've noticed is that people that have large taxable accounts had the largest capital gain that they'd seen in some time. And so when people are filing their tax return right now, the CPA or enrolled agent, whoever's doing the return, tells people what they need to pay in estimated taxes based on safe harbor rules. And so typically, for example, if you're making 150 grand a year or more and you want to figure out how much you should pay in estimated taxes between your withholding on your paychecks and your estimated taxes, you need to pay in about 110% of what you owed last year or 90% of what you're going to owe, whichever is less. Um, and so you check with your CPA on what you're supposed to pay in by January 15th of 2023 to get yourself coverage for 2022, right? So your estimated taxes are based on what the CPA thinks you're going to do in 2022. And most of them think you're going to have the same really high capital gains rate and you may not. So one thing I've noticed on tax returns is 
you might be paying really high estimated taxes. And when you get to the end of the year in December, before you make that January payment, you need to run a tax analysis with either your certified financial planner that's doing your financial plan and has you know, tax is tax savvy and or your CPA. So you can run a projection. Here's what actually happened so far in 2020. And you may not need to pay as much on that January estimated payment. All right. A couple other things I noticed. If you're retired and you're taking IRA distributions, so you're, you're taking money out of your IRA to live and pay your expenses, but you're also paying quarterly taxes. What a pain. When I'm retired, I don't really want to have to deal with remembering to write a check every three months, especially if I want to vacation more. So if you're taking IRA distributions and you're paying quarterlies, just adjust the withholding on your IRAs properly so that you can just not have to deal with the quarterly payments. That's what I would do. And the idea is you withhold enough to get a bit of a refund, just a little bit of a refund every year if you're doing it the right way. I also noticed people are still keeping too much cash in normal banks, right? Because <laughs> I look at the, the 1099s from bank accounts and a lot of banks are paying just such a low, miserable rate. So what, you know, your normal checking accounts at like Bank of America, Wells Fargo, wherever, your normal checking accounts, they're just not paying you anything. Neither are a savings account at normal banks. So you need to look at banks like, gosh, even Lending Tree is not doing those microloans anymore, I don't think, but they have a FDIC insured bank account that's right now at like 0.7%. Ally Capital 1360 and Marcus, they're all paying around the half a percent range and going up with when the Fed's increase rates. So get your cash to work in some of these online FDIC insured banks. As a CFP, we deal with taxes, insurance, retirement planning, estate planning, investing, everything that has to do with financial planning. And we even have in-house, not only attorneys for estate planning side, but also for the tax side. And so going through this tax season, reviewing tax returns for clients before they're filed, for, for example, I was going through a couple of things that, that I noticed that was pretty common. I just talked about, hey, get a little bit more interest on your cash, right? Um, I keep noticing too gifting. And one of the things that I will point out to you, having been a financial advisor now, it'll be 29 years in August. And what I've always noticed is that my wealthy clients, they give a lot of money to charity. They, they really do. I mean, it's very rarely do I run into people that aren't wealthy and they're not gifting quite a bit to charity every year. They're, they're giving back. And with the 2017 tax act that Trump put in place, the standard deduction went way up. So a lot of people are still gifting the same way they used to, but they're not itemizing their tax return anymore. When your tax return is, is being calculated by whatever tax software you have, it's, tax, it's calculating the best way to file your taxes, either with the standard deduction that everybody gets itemized deductions if you have a mortgage and, and property taxes and medical expenses and charitable gifting, or in some cases, it's hard to get into this anymore, but AMT, alternative minimum tax. So there's really three calculations that are going on. And because of the, the tax act, a lot of people no longer need to itemize anymore because their standard deduction is so high. So people are gifting to their favorite charity, their favorite nonprofits. That could be your church that you're tithing to. And I just want to point out again, I feel like I say it a lot, but if you are 
under 70 and a half, under age 70 and a half, and I'll explain why. And you have a taxable account. You have an account that you opened in your name, joint with your spouse or in a living trust. You've been investing for a long time and you have shares of stocks, mutual funds, or ETFs that have risen in value a lot. If you're going to give a charity over a grand, I would gift shares. Gift shares of something. What do I mean by this? Okay. Let's say you bought Vanguard 500 Index Admiral Fund. I mentioned this in the first segment and very common investment that people made. Uh, The symbol is VFIAX. And you'll notice that if you would have bought this 10 years ago, you're up almost 300%. 300%. You would have paid about $126 a share and now it's $406 a share. Now, if you personally sell a share of this Vanguard 500 Index Admiral Fund, you're going to pay taxes on the difference between where you bought it at, around 126 bucks, and $406 a share. And your capital gains tax at the federal level could be as high as 23.8%. And then you could lose another 9 to 13% of that or so on your California state income tax or 6 to 9 in Oregon, wherever, whatever state you might live in that has taxable Uh, that has a state income tax. So let's say you're you're giving $5,000 to your favorite nonprofit organization. Well, why would you give cash? What I would do is I'd transfer 12 to 13 shares of this mutual fund that you would have bought, or maybe it's an ETF, or maybe it's shares of Apple or Cisco that add up to five grand. Every nonprofit, every major nonprofit has a brokerage account and you can send a letter of instruction to your Schwab account, TD Ameritrade, wherever, and instruct them to send those shares in kind to your favorite nonprofit. And what that does is it still means that you, if you're itemizing your deductions, you're still going to be able to take that charitable deduction. You're still going to be able to itemize that. But you just gifted away your own tax burden. And you can now, if you want to still own that fund, you can now take your cash that you were about to give to charity and you can buy those same shares back at a much higher cost basis. So you just got rid of the capital gains tax problem by gifting shares to charity, okay? Now, the other way to do this too is let's say you're like, you know what? Chad's got something there. I'm going to think about this. I know that I give $10,000 a year every year, pretty consistently. And I know I'm going to live at least another 10 plus years. And maybe I've got a big tax event coming up. Maybe I'm going to do an IRA to Roth conversion, or maybe I'm still working and I got a bunch of RSUs that are vesting. And I need a really good deduction this year in 2022. So if you're going to give 10 grand a year over the next 10 years, well, what you could do, you don't want to give that away now because maybe in five or six years, you won't like that same charity. Well, what you can do now is you can set up a donor-advised fund. They're really easy to do at Fidelity or Schwab. Pretty easy to do at TD Ameritrade. We've done them in all three places where we manage clients' assets. You can set up a donor-advised fund. And what you do is you could transfer hundred grand worth of low-cost basis stock, mutual funds, or ETFs from your taxable account. And you transfer those shares in kind into the donor-advised fund. And you can write off that hundred grand if you itemize your deductions in 2022, even if charity doesn't get a dime, as long as it goes into that donor advised fund, 
and it hits the account before 2022, you can write off the entire hundred grand on your Schedule A itemized deductions. And then once the shares of whatever low basis stock mutual fund or ETF are in the donor advised fund, you can sell those and create a more diversified balanced portfolio. And then you can sit there and dole it out. You go online, you, you can dole it out to charity, however you see fit. You know, a little bit here, a little bit there. Maybe you give a, you know, 10 grand this year, next year you skip it. The next year you give 20 grand to your favorite nonprofit. You can give and at your leisure. And you can always add to the donor advised fund more low cost basis stock later on. So that's a very, very good approach with people under the current tax code. Now, once you're over 70 and a half, I've said this a bunch of times before, but once you are over 70 and a half, even though the new required minimum distribution age is 72, by the way, that's potentially going up. It's in Congress to move that to 75. But even though your required minimum distribution age is at 72, once you are over the age of 70 and a half, you can give up to 100 grand a year from your IRA directly to charity, to a nonprofit. It's got to be a US-based nonprofit, 503 uh, nonprofit organization. And if you think about that, that's amazing. That's better than any tax break because your IRA has never been taxed. You put the money in pre-tax, you could have put it into your 401k pre-tax and then rolled it to your IRA. That money has never been taxed. And so if you give it directly from your IRA to your favorite charity, the charity gets the money, they don't pay taxes, you don't report taxable income on your, your return, you save your cash, and the taxes are just wiped out. Nobody pays the taxes on the money that, that's in that account. So once you're over 70 and a half and you're giving money, and it's say over, let's say you're giving over 500 bucks. I have a lot of clients that do that. They're over 70 and a half. They're giving a bunch of money out of their IRA. We can get them a checkbook on their IRA so that they can write checks to their favorite charity up to 100 grand a year. Now, we got to make sure we have enough cash in the account ready to go. And I will tell you that this is something that brokerage firms do not report on very well at all. So if you give money out of your IRA, you can either write a check or fill out a qualified charitable distribution form. But it is up to you to make sure that you tell your tax person about that. All right. It's up to you to t- tell your tax person about that. Say hello to a pass that gives you endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. You might call it the suitcases always packed pass or the wait. I get to choose from 100,000 trips pass. The will it be the beach, city, mountains, or all three pass. Or you could just call it what we call it, the Inspirato Pass. Endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. Learn more at inspiratopass.com. If you ask our CFPs or really any certified financial planner that's been in the business for a long, long time, the most common concerns among those close to retirement right now are inflation and the war in Ukraine turning into more of a global conflict. That's what is keeping people up at night. Now, the war in Ukraine, it's tough because the situation is just, it's, it's just a, it's awful for Ukrainians, right? The, the only way that it can be handled at this point without creating a global conflict is to choke Russia as much as possible. And Europe really needs to stop buying oil and figure out a way around that. Um, we need to be able to, right now, to get this, we need to be able to pump more oil here for a short period of time to get Europe off Russian oil. But that's another 
another type of show, I guess we could talk about. <laughs> so the war in Ukraine, though, increased strains on the already strained supply chain. Most of my business owner clients these days are having more issues with supply chains than they were in 2020. Um, and when you have a strain on supply chain and there's fewer goods, but more dollars out there chasing them, you have an increase in prices, especially increase in commodity prices between oil, precious metals, grains, all those types of things, fertilizer, that everything's gone up, right? Over the last six months, we've seen inflation rates steadily rise, jumping to a 40 year high of eight and a half percent in March. Gas, food, housing, everything's jumped. Used car prices, all those things have jumped. And so we saw, I think even car companies, they're producing less cars, but charging more for them to maintain the same profit margins. And they can do that as long as there's no demand destruction. There's still a lot of dollars out there chasing these goods. And the Federal Reserve finally realized, okay, this is not just transitory. We got to start raising rates for the first time since 2018. Now, what's happened with that? As the Federal Reserve talks about rising rates and there's inflation, people realize that, okay, I'm, I'm earning less than 3% on income on my bond fund or my bonds. So why would I want that when new ones are going to be issued at a higher rate sometime in the near future? So the bond market, the overall bond market, even municipal bonds are down about 8% so far uh, late April here in 2022 as I do this show. Whereas commodities, where you can invest in commodities funds or ETFs, are up double digits, 15% plus in many cases. So you know, we made some adjustments to portfolios where we reduced bond exposure last year and added commodities, and that turned out to be a good deal. Now, I'm going to tell you that as we go through the next 12 to 18 months, the comparables are going to get a lot easier, right? Where we've had this huge jump, but when you're comparing inflationary numbers, you're always comparing to the same month a year ago, the same quarter a year ago. And so as pr prices jump and then a couple of things are happening. You will have some demand destruction. And my theory is that there's going to be less dollars out there chasing these goods. 2020 was a weird year. Uh, people you know, got forced to work at home. A ton of business owners thought that business was just going to fall off a cliff. So they did the PPP loans. They got a bunch of tax-free money. And unless they were a restaurant, hotel, travel, they, they had all this tax-free dollars. And many of them used it to buy uh, you know, other businesses. Many of them used it to buy expensive equipment that they needed to expand their business in the future. And many of them got the money and stimulus checks and went out and bought RVs and brand new cars and boats and toys and everything like that. So we, came, became, we went from this economy that was mostly service-based back to this huge demand of, of like physical goods. And that will slow down. I am telling you, that will slow down. If I, if you, I, I, I know the boat industry very, very well. I am, our family is addicted to wake surfing. If you haven't done it, it's a blast. We put a couple hundred hours a year on a boat. And the cost of boats is, it's just stupid. It, it's absolutely stupid. People are, are able to sell their used boats now for more than they bought it for 10 years ago. And there's just a weird amount of inflation and money that was going into recreational goods. And that's going to slow down. Um, 
It absolutely will. So the comparables are going to get easier. So I think we're going to have, you know, we went through this couple of decades of really low inflation. And so we're probably going to see a three to five year period of higher inflation, and then it should level out again. Um, I don't think we're in, I don't think we're going to see as bad as what we saw in the late seventies, early eighties. I I think we'll see that in the near term because of the supply chain issues, but I think it'll all calm down a bit. And, um, but going back to the idea of retirees, you know, most retirees, if you, if you look at the numbers that I talked about, the, the inflationary numbers were gas, food, housing costs. And then you had things like, you know, used cars and things like that were up 25% at some point. I think something was a cra- it was a crazy amount. Um, and most retirees don't have housing inflation, right? You, you're in your home. You're not paying rent. The big one was the rent increases and the cost of new homes that you're buying. And so most retirees are already in the home that they're going to retire in. They already own a home. And if anything, they're going to downsize. And now in California with Prop 19, it allows you to downsize your home in California and move anywhere else you want and keep your property tax base. You can even up, upgrade your, your, your home and keep your property tax base on the, the original amount. Um, so that kind of takes the housing inflation out of the picture. Also, when you're retired, you're eating less food. I mean, <laughs> not only you're not feeding a family of, well, like me, four kids, um, but you're feeding the two of you typically, or maybe just you. And as you age, people eat less, right? There's also less driving. There's not as much gas that retirees are paying for, especially if they've switched to electric vehicles. Uh, thank God I've got you know a, a GMC truck, 3,500 diesel that's you know, over five bucks a gallon to fill up, but that's offset by my Tesla. So I'm glad I have that offset. But you're doing less driving. You're not going to work every single day and using that much gas. You're also not having to buy a new car every five years because you're not putting as many miles on it in most cases. So you got to realize that the retirees aren't going to face this type of inflation quite as much as a family of four that, that is really going to be hurt by it. And so what do you do, right? What do you do? Look, first of all, stocks are the best way to do this. I mean, stocks do very well in rising rate environments. We do have a bit more of a call for a little bit more careful management because the S&P 500 has become a very tech-heavy index. High PE ratio tech stocks that are valued based on cash flows and, and rising revenues and those valuations get hurt when interest rates go up because your discounted cash flow models are based on interest rates. And the higher the rate is, the less valuable it can look. So you got to make sure you're focused on value. Stocks do very well in a raising rate, rising rate environments, especially companies that hold a good amount of cash. They have pricing power. Like Everybody has iPhones. And if iPhones come out, you need an upgrade, you're going to pay more. You see what I mean? You have a decent amount of cash to get through tough environments and recessions and credit issues. And investors love stocks that pay a dividend and have a history of increasing their dividends because you get paid to wait in a down market, which happens three out of every 10 years. So you got to stick with stocks. You're going to see wild fluctuations, especially if we have any kind of a recession. That's, you don't mean you sell. Stocks do well in a rising rate environment. Um, I can send you charts on it. 
The biggest thing is that you have to have proper cash reserves. And you've heard me preach on radio in this podcast for years and years that you have to have three years worth of portfolio draws in safe money. And I'm talking about if it's in your 401k, it'd be a stable value fund. Um, and if it's outside, you're talking FDIC insured banks, like I talked about before earlier in the show. Now, it's not, your, it's not three years worth of expenses, guys. It's three years of what you're going to be drawing from your portfolio to supplement your social security, your pensions, your rental income, and your dividends and interest. What does your portfolio draw? Because the only time the stock market's going to hurt you is if you are forced to make a withdrawal of principal when the market is down. You have to avoid that. And by having three years worth of uh, portfolio draws in cash and the proper amount of dividends and interest and other income, you'll be sheltered from the peak down to the trough back up to the peak if we go through a recession. And again, I've been saying this on radio since 1999. So it's got through people that have gotten through some really tough situations by doing this the right way. Now, in a rising rate environment, you, you can continue to see bonds suffer. But I will tell you that I don't think the Federal Reserve at this point, I think that, I think that we're going to see a slowdown in, in late 2023, 2024 in terms of comparables on, on GDP numbers. And, and uh, I, I just feel like there's not as much cash going to be chasing these goods out there. But bonds have already sold off the most that I've seen in my entire career of almost 29 years in the business. So we could get to a point of oversold and actually a buying opportunity in bonds as they're all thrown out maybe with the bathwater. I don't think it's quite yet. I'm not really urgent to get into it, you know, more into bonds, but there's going to be a point that that can happen. But bonds and real estates can tend to suffer in a rising rate environment. But look, before you retire, you got to run a couple of different scenarios. And if you're going to kind of go away from the traditional 60% stock, 40% bond portfolio that most people are, are in for retirement these days, you might need to think a little bit outside the box. We're talking about retirement and the idea that, okay, what if we go through recessionary issues? What if we go through a five to 10 year period of higher inflation? And I'm going to tell you that if you haven't run these scenarios already and you're paying somebody 1% plus to manage your money and you can't go online, pull up your financial plan and see your future cash flows that include your expenses growing with inflation you're wasting your money likely and you need to get a, a better financial planning situation. So what I mean by that is that before you retire, you should be running very detailed cash flow statements to, to see you know, where is each dollar going to come from? How am I going to pay my taxes? What are my expenses, including healthcare costs and Medicare Part B, uh, IRMA, all these different things that go into retirement. And you've got to have a linear cash flow model that shows that at a conservative rate of return with inflation, you're going to have enough money to last till you're 100. And then before you retire, you need to also do these Monte Carlo simulations, which runs thousands of different market scenarios, including inflationary environments, so that you can get a success rate of 85% or more um, on your retirement plan. You have to have that done before you retire. If you don't, you're kind of going into retirement blind. And then when the market does correct, you get scared because you don't have a plan. And I'm going to tell you right now that the, the traditional 60 40 stock bond portfolio is going to have a bit of a rough time over the next five years until interest rates normalize. So even as it was right now going into this, our traditional, say, 60-40 type of a model would have been 60% stocks, 35% bonds, and you know somewhere between 3 to 5% in commodities. 
And because interest rates were so low and bonds and stocks rose together for the next, for the last several years until last year. And now you've got bonds and stocks had fallen now this year, about the same amount. And that's, that's why you got to have the safe money guys. That's why you got to have that three years worth of portfolio draw safe. Now, 60-40 is, sounds pretty normal to most people, but there's some people that they can't stand that fluctuation because they know that this year, both sides of that portfolio are down. And that's, that's very concerning, especially for new retirees that go from working 50 to 60 hours a week to retire. And then they're watching their portfolio more than ever. So the volatility is very scary, especially if you retire in 2021 and then all of a sudden 2022, everything's down, right? Very shocking. And so those that are more conservative, they can't handle the ride of a traditional 60-40 style portfolio, 60% stocks, 40% bonds. They need to consider other options because going more conservative than that typically means more money in CDs or bonds. CDs aren't paying anywhere near inflation and bonds could continue to fall slightly if interest rates go up, continue to go up. Now they've already priced in a big move it could be bigger. So what should you do if you're, if you're looking at your 60-40 portfolio or five years from retirement or in retirement, and you just you can't handle the heat? You don't want to just get out of the kitchen, right? You don't want to cash in because then you're, everything that's sitting in cash is losing money at the rate of inflation, which was 8.5%. So cash is, you know, you need some cash, but not everything in cash. So what do you do? Well, you know what? Consider paying off your mortgage. If you're scared of having, sometimes just doing something to make you feel better just eases your, your mental capacity for dealing with volatility, right? Now, paying off your mortgage if you're 30, 40, or 50 years old is not the best use of money because your house is going to go up and down in value no matter if it's paid off. But once you retire, your mortgage is a cash flow item. The larger, the, the more cash flow items you have, the more amount of safe money or cash you have to have on the sidelines. And so if you're worried about investing um, and the market has recovered since the Russian lows and it feels good to take some money off your taxable account and pay, down, pay off your mortgage or pay it down, then do it. Then do it. It might make you feel better. Now, sometimes the, the problem is that what if you don't want to pay it all off? Well, recently we went from somebody that had a one and a half million dollar mortgage. So they weren't even able to write off the interest on half of it because you can only write off 750 grand of interest a year on your tax return. They were retiring. We decided that we still wanted some sort of a mortgage so that they could continue to itemize their deductions. So what we were able to do is call the existing bank that already had a 3.25% mortgage and say, hey, if we pay this down to 600 grand, will you recast the loan and have it so my payments are based on a much lower loan amount? And they did it. They took the lump sum, they recasted the mortgage, and so the payments dropped drastically. And um, that made these people feel a lot better in having their, their mortgage drastically cut in terms of cash outflow. It felt a lot better. So before you do this, always consult your CFP or tax advisor to make sure you know how it's going to affect your tax return. And also note that if you're retiring with most of your money in IRAs or 401ks that haven't been taxed, that's a bad idea. 
instead of paying it all off at once, you might come up with a plan where you draw money out over five, six, seven years with an idea of how to work your tax brackets properly to pay it down, right? Now, you may need more, maybe if you're a a 60-40 portfolio and you feel like 60% in stocks is too much for your risk tolerance and your, your tolerance for volatility, you may need some sort of more guaranteed income source without losing access to principal. I'm going to tell you, you know, I grew up the first several years in the business at age 19, almost 29 years ago, or almost 28 years ago. Um, my grandfather sold annuities and mutual funds at the banks. So I knew, I know annuities inside and out. And one of the reasons I started a fee-only fiduciary-based planning practice is because most annuities were garbage once the tax laws changed. Um, I can't remember when it was, but the capital gains tax was reduced from 27% way down. And annuities weren't as attractive anymore. And so the, the, the idea here is that there is a ton of no-load annuities now. And most advisors don't even know about them. And so you can take money that you would otherwise put in bonds that is yielding you know, 3% or less and subject to declines in, if interest rates go up. And you can put them in a no-load variable annuity that gets half the money invested in, in stocks, a little higher fees, but the company will guarantee... 4 to 5% income on that money for as long as you live, no matter how long you live. So if the account goes to zero, that company is still going to pay you. So that takes some longevity risk and interest rate risk off the table. And that makes people feel good to have guaranteed income. And also, you don't lose access to the principal like the old annuities. If you die, your, your spouse or your kids get what's in the account. It's not gone. But I will say, as a, as a financial advisor, as a certified financial planner, the bond portfolio is the most difficult side of our business right now. Stocks are easy, guys. They're going to take care of you over time. You know, stocks, companies raise their prices to meet inflation. They, they, they you know, put pricing pressure onto the consumer, and, and we all move on, and they all make money. Positive 70% of the time, negative 30% of the time, likely to average 10 to 11% over the next 20, 30 years. Bonds are a different deal right now. We're going from historically low rates to an increasing rate environment. So you still want some bonds because we might have already been oversold. I don't know. I don't know exactly where interest rates are going to go, but your bond portfolio has to be a little bit more active these days. So you kind of break it down into your core bond positions, which are more conservative bond positions, shorten your duration. That's the sensitivity to interest rates. Um, and look at uh, making sure you have a core position, but also some strategic bond funds where it's either floating rates or unconstrained bond funds where the bond manager can pick up bargains when they find them. Also, if you have portfolios that are over 2 million plus, you can look into things like private credit. You realize that the amount of loans that banks are doing to fund the purchases of other companies has dropped drastically and private credit has increased drastically. So a lot of banks aren't participating as much as they used to. And there are some good private credit deals for those investors that are high, of higher net worth and looking for bond alternatives. So the idea here is that if you have a ton of cash and you're trying to build your, your portfolio properly, then you can average in over time and get some better advice. If you need some financial planning advice, a better approach, just go to chadburton.com. That's chadburton.com. Thanks for listening. Please tell a friend about the show.
Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.